0: StoryQ Magazine Podcast, episode number 12. (music) Greetings, my friend, and welcome to the StoryQ Podcast. This is the podcast that helps connect you with some of the top people in the world of barbecue, as well as regular everyday backyard barbecuers like you and me. The emphasis of our podcast is on barbecue fun and sharing that experience and of course some amazing food with family and friends. Well, you may not recognize the voice of this week's guest on the StoryQ podcast, but you'll surely recognize his face if you've ever watched Barbecue Pitmasters on the Destination channel. David Bosca of Butcher Barbecue is just that, a butcher turned barbecue competitor. He came to barbecue notoriety when hundreds of other barbecue competitors started purchasing, using, and winning championships by using his now world-famous brisket injection. From those small beginnings, he now has his barbecue products in stores all across the United States, and this December, he'll be hosting a barbecue cooking class with Eddie Morin, better known as Fast Eddie, the creator and designer of the Fast Eddie by Cookshack line of pellet cookers and grills, and they'll be doing that at the Cook Shack offices in Ponca City, Oklahoma. We'll tell you more about that as we get rolling along, but let's get into it. Story Q Magazine is honored to welcome David Bosca of Butcher Barbecue to the Story Q Podcast. David, welcome to the Story Q Podcast. Pleasure to have you.
1: Well, thanks. I appreciate you inviting me.
0: We are very honored to have someone of your uh, stature and uh, and success and uh, prowess in barbecue on the podcast. So let's jump right into it. You started out as a meat cutter. How did you get into that field?
1: That's kind of a long story, but I'll give you a condensed version of it. I was raised in a small little town right here, um, three miles from where I live presently. I started in a little bitty grocery store right there. The old man that used to be the meat cutter there asked me when I was 15 years old, he said, you want to learn how to cut meat? And I just thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I jumped right in. He had me working weekends with him and after school, and I did that till I was 18 years old. And at, when I was 18 years old, I moved on to another grocery store and started doing own cutting, and it's just grown from there. I've went all over the United States cutting meat. I've ran meat markets. I've ran sausage markets. I've ran um, many different things, wholesale clubs, uh was a buyer i've been a distributor mm-hmm. and presently i um i say presently uh, about 10 12 years ago i opened up my own custom meat processing plant, where we still went out to the farm um slaughtered the animal and brought it back hung it up and aged it and cut it up to the specifications of how the farmer wanted it and we vacuum packed it and froze it and uh, um, had them come and pay us, and we've been doing that for quite some time now, and that's that's how we got into it. I, it, I love it. There's not another job in the world I want. I absolutely love doing that. And might be a half spoof right here. If some people know, some don't. August of this year, due to health reasons, I had to hang up my knives. Oh, um, just, just forty-five days ago or so, I had I had to quit cutting meat. Um, but it was a 34-year love. I still love it. There's nothing I want to do other than that, but I can't do it anymore, so we've had to quit.
0: So what caused you to make the transition from meat cutter to barbecue pit master? I know you just explained now that you can't do it anymore, but you've been a pit master for a long time. When did you kind of move over to that or add that to to your repertoire, so to speak?
1: What I was doing while... I was cutting a lot of meat As I shot a lot of archery. I probably shot as much archery as I cook barbecue right now. And due to back injury, I had to get out of archery, but the competitive juices were still flowing in me. Mm-hmm. And after surgeries and recoveries and surgeries and, I I ran across an article in a local newspaper that was talking about this barbecue took off. And I told my wife, I said, I bet we could do that. And traveled to it, hung out, watched it, looked at it. And I thought, yeah, I believe I can do this. Um, With the sausage making I've done, the smoking, all the smokers I've ran, and just the knowledge of the meat that I had, I never thought that I'd step in ahead of the game of anybody. But I thought maybe I could step in equal with a lot of guys, and I could just use that knowledge along with the cooking knowledge I had and just go into it just all four feet just jump in. And that's what we did, and that's how we got into cooking.
0: You also have a line of rubs, marinades, injections. How did that all come about, and when did you make the decision that aside from being a meat cutter— competing on the national level in barbecue contests, are you also going to start packaging and selling your own rubs and marinades and injections?
1: Our premium rub that we sell is the very first rub that I ever started with. Before we went to that first competition, I was blending spices right here on the kitchen counter. I had probably 30 different Dixie cups scattered all over the counter, with different concoctions of, of barbecue rubs. I'll try this, try that, add this, add that. I mean, it drove the wife crazy with all this stuff scattered everywhere. And we, our first contest, we got a call. Loved it, fell in love with it. We were hooked. And less than a year, well, I was injecting all then because we injected hams and stuff in the shop. I was using a different version than what we have on the market now. But I listened and talked to a lot of the barbecuers and what they were using and it wasn't too far off of what we were already what I already had in my hand because like I said, it's just a meat enhancement program is all it is. So I tweaked it into what it is to today and I always said, Well, I don't know if I'd ever make a house payment with it, but you know, if it paid for my barbecue, I'd sure be happy. <laughs> and that's and that's how it all started.
0: Well, you've become very successful at that, but, you know, most of our listeners here on the Story Q podcast are backyard barbecue cooks, uh, like myself, and, you know, I'll bet a, a large percentage of us have never tried using an injection. How does that affect the meat, and what are the more popular meats to be injected?
1: Let's start with how it affects the meat. Um, I get asked that quite a bit. Well, what's the benefit of it? Um, mm mm-hmm. The benefit is you'll get a more juicy, flavorful, and a a whole lot better texture in the meat when it's cooked. Gosh, I'm trying to think. That's really the best benefit of it is is the end result. What it does is it allows you to concentrate on getting it cooked properly and take away one of those elements, which is very important, which is moisture. Mm -hmm. Now, the type of meat that's injected mostly – is going to be beef, because beef dries out so quick. The next one will be pork. Um, Pork is probably the hardest meat to cook properly and stay moist. And I mean with pork loin, pork tenderloin, because we bred out. The doctors taught us back in the 70s and 80s, we got to get lean pork, got to get lean pork. And so the farmers have bred out the natural marbling in the meat that is our moisture naturally. So we've had to replace it with what we do to allow that moisture back in it, which is enhancement of the flavor and brings out the natural flavor of the pork without it being an obscure flavor that you're going to eat it and go, ooh, I don't know if I like that. It brings it out naturally. So that, that's that's the two main items that it does and helps.
0: I've heard that some people are injecting ribs. Have you ever done that and do you recommend it?
1: Recommend it. I would say anybody can inject ribs if they don't know how to cook them properly. But Mm -hmm. there, on the other hand, does it help? Yes. Anything that you enhance with a moisture has got to help with the end result. Now, is it required? Ribs is one of the easier things to cook if done properly. So it's not necessarily the widespread product. Have I ever done it? Absolutely. Because I've tested in so many different things. I tested an actual rib injection. Um, I brined. I, I, I injected prior to the cook, during the cook, after the cook. I did so many different tests with the ribs trying to make it right. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, just the process of cooking will take care of a rib because there's not a lot of meat there anyway. So if you just cook it properly, you'll get probably a better product.
0: Speaking of cooking and cooking ribs, I know in the past you've used and uh, and done very well on the competition circuit using an FEC 100 by Cook Shack. Are you still using that, or uh, yes, I do. I still not, use the now?
1: FEC 100s. I got two of them in my trailer. I've got one I call, um, well, actually, one of them is the very first FEC, the first smoker I ever took to a competition. I still have in my trailer. Wow. I still use it to today. Um, the other one is the new updated versions with all the new software and all that. And that does my long cooks. Um, I use their pellet grill also. I use that to finish up my chicken and that type product.
0: So you'll take it out of the FEC, which is a pellet cooker. Then you'll put it on the fast steady pellet grill.
1: That's correct. I do that a little bit, not necessarily charred up, but I love the airflow in it. It helps with our skin. That we've come so predomin- predominantly wanting a bite through with. And it's much easier to, to finish it off and get that bite through skin um, in the grill. You know,
0: obviously, you really like the flavor of pellets. And it seems like a lot of judges do too, because there's so many people out there using pellet cookers and being successful with it in the backyard barbecue circuit. Do you recommend a pellet cooker to someone who's just starting out? Does it is it, Is the learning curve that much shorter as opposed to using a stick burner?
1: Okay, let's back up to the first part of that statement, of okay. the question. You said that most judges like it too. It, I don't believe that you could state that most judges like a pellet grill or a pellet cooker over a wood cooker. It's just that pellets won't, it's, it's, it's virtually impossible to over-smoke food Food with pellets, I see. but with a stick burner, it's very easy to over smoke food. So in the backyard world, that's why pellet grills and pellet smokers are so large. Is it um, the best thing for the judges? I think that you have to know how, well, know what you're cooking to get to smoke. Is nothing but a flavor. I can cook the same kind of meat I do outside as I can do in my oven. It's just that imparting the smoke is the trick. Mm-hmm. At what point in the cook-off and then how much of it do, do I impart is the final product. Um, and the pellet grill, it is so much easier to do that, and that's probably why it's liked so much, like what you was thinking,
0: Right. I appreciate that answer. Let's move on to something uh, a little bit more familiar to people. How was it that you got invited to compete on Barbecue Pitmasters?
1: Well, I I don't like to talk a whole lot about this because, you know, they are so adamant about sending in this videotape, sending in your videotape. Well, we never did the very first show we went on or the first episodes we went on. I was traveling to do a class in Missouri, and I got a phone call, and that they had asked me, they said, hey, we hear that you're a great pitmaster. We'd like for you to be a part of Barbecue Pitmasters, and I told them, I said, "Well, I understand that um, the date is already passed for putting in a video." I says, "I'm headed out of town. I don't have a way to send one off." And they, I, and I told them, I appreciated the invite. And they says, "Well, we know who we've heard a lot about you. We would, we'll hold it open till Monday if you would like to send one in." I said, "Okay, yeah, sure." And, well, I hung up, and my first thought was, okay, who put, What well, a well, prankster called me on this. You know, I'm thinking it's one of my buddies. Uh, so I thought, that's what I first thought was, is, who is this calling me? So I got to looking at the area code, going, I wonder what air code that is. That I don't, I don't recognize that. So I went on and did my class. Mm-hmm. And I got back Monday, I got to I know the phone call, they said, well, we'll give you to five o'clock today to send this in. And I thought, dude, this is for real, ain't it? And he said, yes, sir. My name is so-and-so. And they gave me the production company and all this good stuff. Well, I went, well, I'll be So I called my son, which he is, he went to college. He's in, was doing photography, he had some videography and he had a bunch of stuff like that. So I said, Hey, Levi, come over. Um, let's get me and Martin. Let's do up a little quick five minute video. and We'll just walk through the plant here and show some of the awards and, just talk about us and go on. And that's all we did. We, said, we just sent it right on in. And they called me Thursday and says, hey, congratulations. You've been into that. And I'm like, really? I said, really? Is, this it? Is that it, really? <laughs> and they said, by the way, we need um, some legal documents signed because in two weeks you're going to film. <laughs> what? Wow. I didn't have a, yeah. They were in a pinch. They threw us on the first episode to be filmed, and it went that fast. Um, so that's how we got into it. It wasn't really, did I ever look at doing it? Oh, I would have loved to, but I never thought that they'd have gotten this right. oaky country boy from Oklahoma to do that. Um, last thing you want to see is this big, tall, lanky dude on television. I think and, you look uh, real good. Uh, <laughs> I think you look well, real good. We appreciate you,
0: you come off like a pro that you are. Um, but what, what was it like in doing the actual filming? How long did each episode take?
1: film. The first show we did was different than the series that aired this year. This was Barbecue Pitmasters All-Stars was different than it was on the original Barbecue Pitmasters. Mm -hmm. The original Barbecue Pitmasters, they had a show up. um, We did it on weekends, I should say. Okay. We followed contests around the United States. And so we would show up, see, I'm trying to think, Friday, and they had us meet in a hotel off-premises, and that was the first time we got to see who we were going against. Because when we walked into a conference room, we would finalize any rules and regulations and um, that the legal stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's when we'd say, oh, okay, that's who it is and that's who it is. Other than that, we didn't have a clue who we went against. Um, they would just give you a list of about, 20, 25 different kinds of meat that these are the possibilities of what you're going to cook with, or I mean, um, to be received, be prepared to cook, anything of this. And at noon today, we're going to cart the first one out to set up, the second one go, then the third one. And that's pretty well it. And they kind of went over and explained to us that this is a game show and the United States government has game show rules and laws from all the things that happened back in the 60s you're not allowed to talk about the outcome of or anything of it Mm -hmm. until it is aired. Then they talked about the big fine that the government will issue. So we would do all that stuff. Well, that was on a Friday morning noon. We were setting up and five o'clock that night, they would let you, I think that was where they would let you go back to the hotel. But Saturday morning we would get started with uh, the filming they would tell you to be back at six or be back at seven and then they would tell you your deadline is going to be three o'clock or five o'clock that night that's turn in and so it'd be basically friday saturday and that would be it then the next day on sunday was your post interviews after everything was done they'd sit you down and go back through the, uh, the questions like it was live, mm-hmm. and you could spend anywhere from two to four hours, five hours, sitting on a, a milk crate answering questions.
0: So basically three days to film a, a one-hour show. To film 42
1: minutes, that's right.
0: 42 minutes with the commercials in there. I forgot about that. Yes. That was deep. Well, I'm sure it was. a. Is is it something you plan on doing again, or, uh, or would you like to do it again if the opportunity existed?
1: They called us this year. We did the Barbecue Pitmasters Mm All-Stars. Had a great time with that. I would do it every time they offered. That is a blast. It's a lot of fun. And it really tests my skills as a barbecue pitmaster because I like cooking stuff other than the standard four categories we do in competition. Um, I just just really like the curveballs they throw at you. Am I good at it? I'm not the best at it, Um, but I sure enjoy the challenge because I like taking what I do know and seeing how I can make it turn out real quick. So it's a blast doing it. Um, Will I ever win it? Oh, heck, I don't know. Will I do it every time they ask? Every time they ask, I'd love to go do one.
0: Well, you got pretty close to winning that, uh, what is it, Grand Champion Pitmaster. Yep yeah you, know, you were uh you were way up there amongst all those other people that have been on that show, so congratulations on that one. i want to get back to your uh to your rubs and, and give you a chance to uh tell people how to get your rubs and injections
1: okay we have our own website It's uh, um you can order it right there. We've got hundreds of retailers around the United States that sell it. And there's so many, I can't list them just on my website. I've got distributors that sell to thousands of different stores, and so I can't hardly go list everything that they sure. sell to. But check out your hardware stores. Uh, a lot of different hardware stores carry it. Um, definitely the barbecue specialty stores um, all over the United States from one side to the other side, top to bottom. And if your local one doesn't carry it, Tell them, put a bug in here. have them contact me, and then we'll get them set up. Well, I'd love to bring on more people
0: and if you live in an area where you can't get to a store like that, you can just go right to butcherbbq.com dot com and order as much as you like You betcha sounds like a uh, a fun thing. I've been meaning to try your injections for uh, a long time, but you know i'm i mostly uh, I cook chicken and ribs. And that's about it. I'm trying to branch. In fact, I've got a 16-pound brisket in my freezer right now that I'm looking for an excuse to thaw it out and and cook it. And the thing is, you know, I, I go into the store. I buy this beautiful 16-pound brisket. Now I've got it. Now I'm thinking, I just can't cook this for me and my wife. <laughs> you know, you've got to have a party. And, um, you know, it's the... Fortunately, the weather here in Colorado has been almost summer-like all throughout the month of October. But I know as soon as I plan on cooking that thing, we're going to have our first snowstorm.
1: There you go. That's that's, that's that's what happens. That's right.
0: What are your plans for the rest of the year? Do you have some classes coming up?
1: I've got some classes coming up. I've got one actually held at Cook Shack in the first weekend of December.
0: Right.
1: We're right. still cooking on the competition trail right now. We're headed to... Uh, I've got two more weekends here, then I got a weekend off, and then we're back out it for another one or two. I don't have anything planned for December other than the cooking class. I kind of lay low and do christmas parties and and kind of spend the money on the grandkids at that mm-hmm. time, but other than that, that's pretty well Liah.
0: Now, I know that class at Cook Shack, uh, which is in Ponca City, Oklahoma, is a very popular class. People look forward to that each year because it's it's you and and Fast Eddie, the gentleman who not only has been wildly successful in the barbecue circuit, but came up with the idea of the FEC 100s and now the FEC Grill and the FEC 500s and 750s. And uh, it's it really sounds like a great class because it starts Friday night, goes all day Saturday. Are there still openings to that or is it sold out yet?
1: I believe there's still openings for it. I do not know. I haven't talked to them in about 10 days. Um, but I but I do believe there is some openings.
0: If you would like to attend that particular class, you really, really get an education over a two-day period, Friday night and all day Saturday. And it's held uh, at the Cook Shack factory. To, uh, I, I mean, I've been there, so it's not really a factory. Um, you know, they make Their rubs, and I'm sorry, not their rubs. It is a factory, but it doesn't have that feel to it. Um, But if you'd like to get into on this class, go to cookshack.com, and while you're there, you can just look on the webpage for the Fast Eddie and uh, David Bosca Butcher Barbecue Cooking Class and sign up for that. It's a couple hundred bucks, but you're going to get an education. And I assume you guys not only teach people – what to cook, how to cook it, but also if they're thinking about being in competition or they are in competition and want to up their game, you're covering that as well.
1: That is the basis of the class. Um, We go over our competition styles, our methods, how to work this piece of equipment, and we'll get some guys that will pop in with questions like, hey, I use uh, this kind of a gravity fan or I use this stick burner. How can I use that in this? and we'll answer it for them on that world um, to the best that we can. But we're there to show what we do in competition. This is a competition class. Throughout the year, we do catering restaurant classes held at the Country Club up there in Ponca City, and that is nothing but people that are adding barbecue to their menu already or backyarders wanting to start catering or bars or local guys that just want to buy a small smoker and get some ideas of how to utilize it in their setup. We'll do those throughout the year, and usually we keep those at about 20 to 25 uh, students, and that has grown to be a very good class right there also.
0: And uh, can people people go to Cook Shack and do that one as well, find the uh, place to sign up there?
1: Correct. They sure may.
0: All right, David, thank you very much. Appreciate you taking time out of uh, your day. Are you off to, uh, to a competition this weekend?
1: I am. We're, I'm leaving in the morning first thing. We're going to take the old red truck and trailer and hit the road. I'd like to uh, throw out one quick thing, if possible. Absolutely. Um, we've opened up a barbecue stand. So if you're driving through Wellston, Oklahoma, going down Old Route 66, stop in on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. That's the days we're open. Um, and grab you a a barbecue sandwich. Sounds great. All right.
0: Thank you again very much for your time. We wish you the best of luck and safe travels and really appreciate you having having you here
1: on the Story Q podcast. Man, I greatly appreciate the invite. Thanks a lot.
0: Once again, if you'd like to attend David and Fast Eddie's barbecue competition cooking class this December, just go to cookshack.com and sign up. And if you've enjoyed this program, we'd like to ask you to do us a little bit of a favor. Go to iTunes and rate the StoryQ podcast. This will help us grow and reach more backyard barbecue chefs and help them take their backyard cooking to the next level. If you're not already enjoying all the fantastic stories, recipes, and pictures in StoryQ magazine, I'd like to invite you to subscribe. You can do that right now by going to StoryQ.com, where you can sign up for just $2.99 a month. That's at StoryQ.com. The StoryQ podcast is published on the first and third Friday of every month, and it comes to you courtesy of Laverne Gingrich, the editor and publisher of StoryQ magazine. My thanks to David Bosca of ButcherBBQ.com. Until next time, I'm Frank Erickson. I'll be back on Friday, November 6th, with another edition of the StoryQ podcast. God bless, my friend.